My name's Adam Redding. I am from Kent, living in Herne Bay in Kent. I've been into motorbikes for most of my life and racing. And yeah, I'm now contemplating maybe a racing return. And I'm very, very interested in the Isle of Man. You know, always have been. And yeah, that's about it, really. Okay, we're going to go back to the beginning then, Adam. You say you've always been interested in motorbikes. Where did that start for you? I think it started, as most people, from my parents, from my dad. He always rode bikes on the road, never raced or anything, but had a keen interest in racing. And I think they went to the TT, him and my mum went to the TT in 1974, just doing the normal holiday thing. The bike was always around in the garden, got into some decline. Then he decided to get it restored at a shop. And at the same time as getting it restored in the shop, he started taking me like to Brands Hatch to watch like the JPS North. And it all sort of just manifested from there, really, hanging around the bikes in the bike shop while he was doing some work, restoring it with the people, going to Brands Hatch. And it didn't take very long before, you know, yes, I want to do this. I knew from a very early age. And when you're around racing and people talk about it, motorcycling, you very, very quickly hear of the TT. And I think you know about the island if you hear about it if you see it you know if you want to do it almost straight away and it went from there and in 1992 that's quite a few years ago that is now that was my first visit to the island my dad took the family over just to watch the racing in 1992 and i remember being there buried myself in a bush down at bradham bridge watching it and going i want to do this someday i just really like it it looks brilliant so that's where it all started really from a, a slowly rusting norton in the garden to me embarking on my mountain career. And do you remember who you were watching back in 1992? Not a clue. I couldn't really, I wouldn't know any of the riders like back then. I just, they all looked like heroes to me. I mean, a guy come around through Bradham Bridge and he was like zipping up his leathers. I was riding one handed, zipping up his leathers through Bradham. I just thought, my God, the guy's a god. You know, and 20 minutes later, he was back, you know, in the damp conditions. So, yeah, I can't remember any of the riders. I mean, at the TT, I was a big sort of Steve Hislock fan. He was my TT idol, you know. I thought he was just the most amazing rider around that circuit. You know, I thought he was brilliant. But the Manx was, you know, suitably blew my mind. I mean, even the travelling marshals looked rapid at the time. Yeah, I loved it, loved it. And yeah, it's always remained with me. So there was little Adam thinking, this is what I want to do. How did you start to make that happen then? Uh, well, I just sort of got my apprenticeship in the bike shop. I started left school, went to work as a motorcycle mechanic, as an apprentice. And it just went from there, really. I started asking around people, you know, saying, I just said to mum and dad, I want to go racing, etc. And I started talking to my boss at the bike shop. He used to race. So I had quite a lot of support, really, from other people around me. And I just saved up my money, really. Saved up my money, bought myself a bike, asked all the guys around the shop, what do I do? How about go out getting my license, etc. And there we went. Uh, just started doing a normal sort of club racing. A guy lent me the first race bike was a 350LC. He lent me have a go down at Lydon, and then I bought me own sort of KO on S250, and it just went on from there. Really, it kind of you know it just progressed and progressed. I was really enjoying it, and usual sort of thing, I was throwing everything I had at it as an apprentice, absolutely penniless, just throwing everything at it, and just got up and up and said, oh, I want to be good at this. You know, I really want to get up and be good at it. Uh, you know, from a little two-stroke onto a bigger sort of sort of stroke kind of get sucked into the short circuit thing you know as you're getting better you know you're gaining your experience you know and the tt is never far from your mind i remember a guy who was with me was mechanicing with me 
was racing 600s at the time, was doing pretty good. He said, well, are we going to do the TT? We, we, I think it's about 90, 98 or something. I said, yeah, I think we are. Maybe in the year 2000. But it just, the short circuits just sucks you in like everything else, your money, your time, and it just lost a bit of focus on actually doing the TT around the year 2000, just concentrated on the British Supersport, which just consumes you, consumes you every waking moment and your, all your financial moments. You know, it was always in my head, TT. It just got pushed back due to the British Super Sport. It kind of lost focus with it a little bit. And as is the way with racing, a few years later, I just had to throw the towel in because it was like penniless, really. I was reasonably young, but absolutely broke, you know. So I had to throw the towel in and have a bit of time out. And with that, the kind of man in dream sort of slid back a little bit further. What happened then was changed places where I worked, and one of the guys there was chatting to me, and he said, the TT must be coming round. I went, yes, it is. He said, isn't it a shame we can't sort of see it or listen to it? And I said, well, we can. We can listen through, like, the radio on the computer and he was a bit of a technophobe he just couldn't believe that he could stream the racing live through like the internet and so we started doing that we used to have the tt races playing in the workshop it's absolutely brilliant every summer for about three or four years we'd stream the races into the workshop and it was brilliant and it kind of just got the interest going again if you know what i mean it's like oh that's the island. I still haven't done it. I still really, really want to do this. This desire to race that mountain has not gone away. So I decided, I can't remember, I think maybe 2010, 9, I made a decision just to go and have a look at the TT. And it was just fortunate. I happened to know Johnny Barton, who's, you know, riders liaison and helps with the organisation. He originally came from down my end of the world and we used to know him we used to come into the um workshop and exchange tales of riding around the island and i just got in contact with him and said hello john i i understand you might need a bit of help at the tt because he was taking his like riders liaison job and prepping a bike's quite consuming at your time and he said yeah please come over and help me with the bike and that was my sort of first taste of the TT racing proper in the mountain. I'm just really interested, Adam. You talked about the fact that this all started for you because your mum and dad brought you over to watch the TT. What was their reaction to you wanting to actually do it yourself? Uh, They were okay with it, to be honest. They weren't up in arms. They weren't horrified or anything. Because I've been short circuit racing, they sort of knew anyway that you're doing a, a dangerous sport. And mum has always said to other people, she I just cannot stop him doing it. It's like most people, if you stop them, they will find a way. And so uh, they were very, not fatalistic, but they support him rather than fight him over it, I think was the best way to describe it. And they were very supportive throughout my like, racing career. Not financially because, you know, it's not their place. And I think it was a good lesson in life, but they supported me a lot in other ways, you know, with their time and helping me as much as they could. They really were supportive parents, but they were okay with it. I think obviously when it came to actually riding they were suitably nervous, as any parents, I think, would be when you're going on the course. But they were fine with it, thanks to them, really. And so you you came over, you had that connection working with Johnny Barton, who is the person to know if you want to ride the mountain course. What happened next? I helped John for about 
three years and I, obviously I quizzed him about how you get here, what to do, circuit knowledge. I mean, it was brilliant. They were three fantastic years being a mechanic. It kind of immersed you into the Isle of Man and that mountain and it was a good sort of way of learning how things would work so you wouldn't roll up at the Manx completely green. You got to push the bike through scrutineering, understand how that worked. You got to do the pit stops, you understood how that worked. Getting places on time, where would you be in the paddock? Would you want to have a homestay, etc. All that for those few years was really good it's like a bit of pre-knowledge and obviously the knowledge of john speaking to other riders about the course and during the day john would be very busy so i'd just be i'd be prepping his bike in the evening or the day and i'd have a bit of time to myself so i'd go around about driving the course even one year john had a spare bike he said no just pop out on the bike if you want so i'd go out and just learn sections of the course on this bike, which is brilliant, you know, during TT, up over the mountain on that one-way system, really, really, really good holidays. And I said to John, you know, uh, he said, are you doing it? I said, yes, I definitely want to do it. He said, got your licence because you need your national licence. And I went, yeah, I sort of have. Yeah, all right, okay. So I made the decision, like, I can't remember, it was either 2011 to 2012 was going to be the year I did the Manx. And I thought, right, so got to get my national licence. And I sort of think I had it. I wasn't 100% sure because I read through the ACU documentation and it's sort of my license had sort of lapsed, but I thought, oh, I won't be worried too much about it. I'll be a bit cheeky. So I had to go through like the basic course, ACU sort of headquarters. We watched the video, answer the questions, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, I wonder how I should broach this subject of a national license. And when the course was over, they gave you a form. It just had a, like, a box that said, what grade license almost do you want? So I thought, I'm just going to tick national. So I ticked national, walked up and like slid it in, sort of like a couple of sheets down so nobody would notice. Nothing was heard. And I sort of left that meeting like really happy. thought, yes, that's going to be my national license over the moon. Uh, I then had to go to work. I had to go to work in Ireland. So about a week later, I was up at the top of a wind turbine island. And my mum called and said, your license is here, I think. I went, just open it up, mum. Tell us what it is. She went, read it. What's it say? It says national. Brilliant. I'm in. Now what I need is a bike. It's a bit cheeky, I think, but I knew my riding was still well up there. So then all I had to do was get the uh, signatures in. So I think what most of the competitors go through, one of the hardest things is getting your six races in within a year. So I needed a bike. So I did some research on the internet, got myself a bike. And I think at this time, the year was coming to a close and I thought I needed to get some signatures in. Yet again, the good old people, another friend of mine on the Isle of Man said, well, there's an endurance race at Jerby towards the end of the year. If you want to come over in the ferry, we can do the endurance race together and that'll be your first signature. So I think the end of 2011, Wizzing Round got my first signature. I was on my way. I mean, I, I was on my own most of the time, so I could just jump in a the van, then jump on a ferry and tour over, ride a bike and then get back and do a bit of work. 2012, got my bike, did the newcomers weekend, getting my signatures, wrapping them in. And I kind of started to run out of time with getting the signatures getting the races in got a few in nice and early four and five became a bit of a problem i think the bike one meeting had a fuel problem so i lost a whole meeting there and then i thought oh, that's all right still more plenty to go i can get them in traveled all the way up from kent up to mallory park and it was just absolute horrendous weather conditions all the way up we got to mallory park and it was like rivers of water running down the track and they delayed the meeting for two hours then cancelled it and it was like oh, i'm in trouble now i'm really struggling to find some races and get to this island and it's like oh, it's got to be this year i don't know how i'm going to do it but you know it's just one of those moments it's been so long 
you know, everything was in motion. I really needed to race that island this year. I put a lot of work into it, homework, etc. And the only way to get the two remaining signatures, two meetings available, and another one was on Jerby, and the very next day was one in Darley Moor. And that's how tight it was. So the plan, I drove up to the ferry on my own, jumped on as a foot passenger. My mate picked me up the next morning on the Saturday. We raced his bike again, the one we'd raced on the insurance. And this is how lucky we was. He said, who wants to start the race? I said, oh, I'll do the first race. I said, do you mind if I do? He said, yep, fine. Did the first race, got it out of the way, got my signature. The very next race, massive crash on the start line, fuel and oil everywhere over the circuit the meeting got cancelled. If I hadn't ridden that bike first, I wouldn't have got that signature. So that was luck beyond belief. Back to the ferry, over the ferry, into my van and drove to Darley Moor, slept in the van overnight and turned up at Darley Moor, having never seen the place, raced around it, got my signatures. And I tell you, just knowing I'd got that last signature, I was left, I can't remember, finished about sixth or something, you know, which was well over the moon with in one of the races it felt like i'd won a motor gp world championship because it just meant i could get to that island so i just left like completely on my own and nobody there to help me whatsoever loaded up my van absolutely euphoric like brilliant i'm gonna race this island from then at that point we was really we was on our way i am exhausted after listening to that yeah. adam i mean did you actually have anything outside of that that racing focus at all at that time i mean you talk about sleeping in the van did you actually sleep at all yeah a little bit you know i just uh, it was i was sleep, slept on the ferry you know uh, but it was it just you can't explain how it consumes you you know, how, you know, because I think I was on my own, I could focus more on it. You know, I was footloose and fancy free, I suppose the term is, to drive around. But, yeah, I'd sleep on the ferry, you know. I'd slip, catch a lot. Oh, I was going to Darling Moor. I can't remember how many hours sleep I had. It wasn't many. But it kind of just sharpens your focus, like, just really concentrate. Just get it done. Now, don't go silly. Get it done. So, yeah, it was a tiring time, but it was, it was worth it then. And after that, just them signatures done sent to the acu all the stuff all the paperwork went into the manx motorcycle club email dropped in yes like yeah you're accepted brilliant and then it was just, after that it was a period of of calm let's say relax a bit and like just prep the bike you know keep prep the bike and prep yourself you know every night three four laps on the laptop until you fall asleep with the thing running on you like burning up when you wake up with your laptops on you and it was a period of relative calm up until you know we set sail to race proper and who did you bring with you the first time it was nobody I mean, parents did come work commitments and stuff they couldn't come until a good few days after i got to the island so i did i set off on my todd basically I just drove all the way, got the ferry, nobody there, on my own, got over there, found the place I was staying, and then just started all the preparation. So it was a strange experience, I have to say, doing so much of that on your own. You are kind of riddled with nerves. I popped round and saw Johnny, you know, he was over the moon to see me that day and was looking forward to it, but he's still a busy man outside of the TT as well and Manx. So I went up the paddock, did all the scrutineering, paperwork and stuff and got everything squared away for the next day for the first day of practice in your speed control app. And I just managed to find a guy I knew who was just ambling around the paddock and said, like, 
could just give us a hand for like today, just for my speed control lap, you know? And so, yeah, off we went from a first ever lap, effectively unsupported, you know? That's just the way it was. And then my parents were on their way and a couple of guys on the island that could pop in and help me, but they were like fitting it all in around work. But speed control lap was still really good, you know? Again, just being on the, my own just helps, you know? in some ways just really sharpens you up don't do anything silly it's just speed control app just you know just take it in so that speed control app is one thing and then you are effectively allowed to go round at whatever you feel is is a reasonable pace how is that for you oh normal sort of shenanigans it's never easy is it so we did our speed control app and I think we all come in the pits. And I think from memory, the next practice was going to be the other lot of the guys that had been there, not no newcomers. And then I think we was allowed to go. I think they rolled out the pits. And then within five minutes, the mist had rolled in and it got cancelled. We only got the one left in that night. And then the next day, practice, it was like really, really foggy over the mountain. It didn't look like it was going to clear. So they got everybody to ride. I think it was all the newcomers and everybody got a chance to ride from the grandstand and was pulled off at Ramsey and then was allowed to follow the travelling marshals over the mountain back to the start line, which counted as another lap, which was good. But even just that, I don't know, half a lap was brilliant. You know, just do that half a lap on closed roads. It was amazing. It's such a different animal. If you've ever driven around the course ridden around it it is good but once them roads are closed and it's quiet it's, you can't describe it you really can't it's um, absolutely amazing but just a half a lap it's just like oh i just want so much more and that was like day two it was a bit of a letdown but still you know really good but day three was the day it's got to do two laps in the sunshine around the course and that was good um i mean my mates turned up uh, on the island to help me. He managed to finish work early. He came, helped me in the pits, got me for help me with through, getting through scrutineering and, and away we went on our first proper two-lap stint. But it's, I may have to nip off like, <laughs> afterwards. <so. laughs> uh, okay, so I shot off and did, like, did those two laps. It was mind-blowing. It was absolutely brilliant. You just can't ride a motorbike that fast for that long around those sort of corners anywhere in the world. I saw a guy once at the TT, he come over, I think it was first night of practice, and he was on the twin, super twin, he come over the line right at the end of the session, and he was like punching the air. And I couldn't work it out what was happening, because I don't think, I looked at his times, and I just think it was just happiness of actually getting back onto that mountain for a year, and just riding around that place, which is what it does to you. And I did me two laps, I filled the bike up, did two laps, did a reasonably good lap time. And I come over the start line and like it literally over the start line and the heavens opened. And I remember parking the bike up. My mate had gone back, he'd had to nip off. So I lent the bike up, flipping heck, I'm on my own again. And I just went back to get all my trolley with my tire walls and stuff in it. And it absolutely getting hammered by the rain, but I just absolutely euphoric the feeling of doing those two laps i've never had that anywhere else in racing like whilst going around or just finishing two laps on a wednesday afternoon around that island was just simply amazing i was so happy i mean i can't wait for tomorrow do you know adam you can still hear the joy in you and we are more than a decade on from that which i think might give us a sense of just how much even just being there meant to you yeah it, it, it did it does i mean I'm, I'm really into the whole tt the manx the island i think it's a fantastic event i love it you know and it is i don't 
I don't know whether I'll ever go back. You know, it's hard to say. The desire is obviously still there to do it. There's lots of logistics, you know. And um, I, I went back this year, 2023, because it had been 10 years and it was a centenary. So I thought, oh, it's quite a nice time to go back and just take another look. And I took my two uncles with me who'd never been, you know. So that was an eye-opener for them. They, You know, they thought they knew about the island. One was a motorcyclist, one had seen it on the TT. But once they got there, the reality and the absolute amazing spectacle of it made them think again but yeah i mean i i say i haven't really got many regrets in life at all at this stage because i've done the island but it is strange you do wake up and go i don't know I don't know if I'll ever get to ride that island again, but I really want to. <laughs> With the three races you started in, I think, was it the senior MGP? Did you retire? Yes, I did. No, uh, newcomers, junior and senior, um, retired at senior. Bedstead, can you believe it? Um, it was it just run out of fuel. It was, it was a long week, a long fortnight. Did a lot of work on the bike and was getting tired and... and just got myself confused and thought I'd put enough fuel in the bike and I hadn't and just one of those things at the end of a long fortnight and I remember I think start the second lap coming through Kurt Michael and the fuel light come on I went oh no this ain't good I don't know if I'm going to make this <laughs> so yes I was a little bit well I was quite gutted to have not made it so that was my bare minimum I was going to go for three starts three finishes so two out of three ain't bad as they say certainly isn't and I suppose I have to ask Adam given that you had you know relative success finishing two of the races you did really well and 14th place in the newcomers why didn't you come back the following year I was all keen dead dead keen to go started getting my signatures and I just got clattered big time at Alton Park I got proper clattered bike cartwheeled to destruction got a real bash on the head lost a bit of memory and then a load of other things sort of happened my first house purchase you know sort of had come through I just got a new job lots of things like that all happened at once I just got a bonus from work which is a rare rare thing and I just got my house and I just got oh I've lived you know quite a sort of bachelor-esque sort of lifestyle going racing doing what I want and now the grown-up things have come along even when I was out there working with Johnny I was having interviews over the phone in between sessions for like jobs and it just derailed me just the fact that I couldn't you know I just got this house and the financial things it just derailed me and I just thought oh oh, maybe the year after you know I'll put the bike together but it just didn't go that way maybe the fact that like, I had done it was sort of good for now but I always wanted to go back but you just got derailed you know if it hadn't been for that accident and the bike being destroyed and having to start from scratch again with a bike, I probably would have been back. Definitely would have been back. But just, things just got derailed. That's all. That's the way I can describe it. And I guess again, that gives a sense of just how precarious a career in motorcycle racing really is. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, you see it quite often. I mean, everybody, all competitors, spectators, do well know the risks involved in racing on the mountain. But you see it so often. You see good top level guys have a good fortnight at the island, come back short circuit, get really badly hurt. You know, it's just a knife edge, really. And that was me just, you know, taking things sensible. I was getting good finishes, you know. You always sort of think, oh, should I have done that last race? That's when it happened in the last race. You go, well, I've paid me money. I'm enjoying myself, you know. Uh, it's keeping me sharp. And, you know, in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, as everybody says, I should have packed it up, put it in the van, gone home. But there we go. What can you say? You've now got a young family. And I know right back at the beginning of this chat, you said you were contemplating a comeback. How realistic would you say that is? 
50-50 at the absolute most at the minute. I'm back riding motorcycles again. It's an internal struggle, isn't it, really? You see other riders with young families, you think, well, if they're doing it, why can't I? It's a very, I don't know, it's an internal conflict thinking about it. think, should I do the mountain with my family? Or perhaps I should wait till they're a bit older. I don't know. Should I just go? No, I've, I've done it. I've achieved my dream at least once. But I, honestly, I don't know. It's something I wrestle with on an almost daily basis. Uh, TT and Manx roll round on literally foaming at the mouth to go over there and do it you know it's, it's a sublime sort of torture really um but yeah i don't know i'm wrestling with it now as you as we have this conversation you know I, I went there just a week ago and just watching the guys go around and just wanted to jump on a bike and race race around it you know can't explain the call of it really and if you could maybe think ahead i don't know 15 20 years or so to when your children are grown up and perhaps come to you and say, oh, Dad, do you know what I want to do? I want to race that mountain course. How do you imagine you'd feel? I think your natural instincts would kick in, uh, protection instincts, worried instincts, but I just have to let them do it. I just would. I couldn't argue the fact that I did it. And life is dangerous. You know, people get hurt and lose their lives in the most ridiculous of manners, just carrying on with ordinarily boring everyday life. To achieve your dreams as it is and go over there and race that mountain, you know, you've got to do it. It is dangerous, obviously. I can't deny that it isn't. But there's a lot of crazy sports and activities that people do that are super dangerous, you know. I wish my daughter says, go in free climbing, Dad. I'm climbing this massive rock no ropes no you get over you race that island no way easy <laughs> one end on that rock dragging you down that's how i perceive that as far more dangerous than the isle of man when do you think you'll make your decision then i honestly don't know it won't be this year i've got lots of stuff going on as i say I'm, I'm starting track riding again which i'm enjoying a lot whether i actually start racing on the short circuits again somebody did very casually tap me up about partnering them in an endurance race so that hasn't happened i've got to get my license back all that sort of stuff i don't know we'll see if we get back on circuit we we'll start racing we'll just go from there we'll see we'll see just how the call comes i can't honestly say it's a definite you know of well you know in an ideal word yes i'd go tomorrow but you just get that conflict between wanting to go and protecting your family you know it never leaves you i think that's the best way to describe it it never leaves you i think obviously you've had a, a good run at it and some people have had their time on the island to go yeah enjoy myself and i don't want to do it anymore you know for whatever reason maybe if i'd finished that senior that would have been it but then i'm a competitive person and i always wanted to like say my ultimate long-term goal was to have started and finished a senior at the tt but that is well gone i'd have said nowadays but yeah I'd go back and race anything, really, I think, around there. Just this how it is. Adam, it's been brilliant talking with you. And once you have made the decision, certainly if you make it to come back here, let us know, eh? Yep, will do. I'll let you know. I'll send the fireworks up.